Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about role players. I'm Jess Vetters. And I'm Colin Lumot. Every week we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share a favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experience that we're eager to share with you. Our topic today is when to let a game go. But before we get into it, Colin... How has your week been? <sighs> it's been uh, a bit of a rough week, actually. Uh, tough. I mean, we're we're beginning it off. I mean, we're 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 on Monday right now, so we're only just starting up. But I have a new game that I have beginning on Wednesday that I'm a little bit nervous about trying to build the correct materials. Uh, as you know, I attempt to do something different with every game that I run. Uh, and sometimes I can get real ambitious with it. And so I'm wondering if I can pull off the material that I need for Wednesday by Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So uh, give me give me a little bit of background into this. When you say material, are you talking like music cues and maps? Or are you talking like character sheets and stuff like that? <laughs> Terrible. Terrible with math, uh, with maps. Anything that involves measurements of any kind, I'm just, I'm just garbage at. Just never learned. Um... I usually get for everyone. (laughs) Some people are good at it. Some people like the rule crunchy bits, the math bits, and I envy those people. But uh, I always have the the infamous story of when I wanted a wall to be really high way back in high school when I was running a game, and uh, someone was like, "How well? How high is the wall?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's it's really really high." And they're like, "Well, can you give me a measurement?" Like, it's 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 a mile. This is a mile high. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Yeah, I thought, uh, mile. That's not. It's not super high. They're like a mile, a mile high wall. No one is breaching this wall. How does this wall even stand? That was was a long term. That's a joke Uh, my friends still bring up. Oh, God, I love that. That's really fantastic. That's not a wall. That's a mountain. (laughs) I don't know who's manning the wall up there. They're just just asphyxiating. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, not, not terribly so. I don't like, know measurements. Well, I'm just saying, like, a mile high, that's Denver. I, yeah, well, I mean, from sea level, I guess. But, you know, depending on where you are, wind speed, I don't well, As I said, <laughs> <laughs> I don't do measurements. No, the best part was how you just kind of muttered wind speed. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So the material that I am I am planning to do, and I'm starting a Sin Eater game in the New World of Darkness. Um, mm. I uh, the they have this thing called the Twilight Network. The Twilight Network is this mysterious way that Sin Eaters kind of communicate with each other to let them know that there are ghosts around and other ghoulies and monsters and things like that. And it's very stylistic depending on where you are. And I thought for this one, what I would do is something very ambitious. I thought I would um, record part of a radio show that had a call-in and have uh the radio and uh, have the radio host and then the the call-in call in at about at about like every couple of sessions or so and basically drop what the twilight network news was going to be um the the things that people were involved in uh the the, the kind of the the esoteric arcane ghosty stuff that was happening around town uh, and in order to do that, I have to do uh, a recording of an actual radio show. 
and right that's um, a lot of audio production work that you gotta just kind of do for just your game just for fun i mean well to be to be honest i I don't mind putting in a little bit of work for for my for my games in order to in order to make them work I'm, i'm constantly working towards the eventual goal which is uh hooray uh, I, I've done so well at my storytelling with my collaborative game element stuff that I can now turn it into a podcast. So as I get closer and closer to that goal, I become more ambitious in my projects. I like it. I think that's <laughs> a noble goal. And one uh, that several of our listeners probably share. Oh, yes. And it, it's certainly it's certainly a good time to get involved in, in trying to make some podcast stuff that people always want to listen seems like there is a new D podcast every week and like you know role-playing in general but D specific every week well you know yeah. D still maintains its top dog position of popularity people just just know what that means i mean like especially with the stranger things new season that came out and that at tied to D in the first season i mean i just imagine Which... that it's on people's minds oh yeah and I gotta say, like, this is gonna date the recording of this podcast really harshly, but man, Stranger Things 2, very, very good. I have only seen the first episode. Ooh, it's very, very good. <laughs> well, I will watch it and probably talk to you about it later, and now they'll know when this is recorded. I don't know if that's bad or not. Uh, nah, it's fine. We can date ourselves. By this point, they know we have the b- big early buffer going on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Buffer because we know our, our schedules and sometimes our abilities to meet. We our... know how little we know our schedules. Exactly. We we know our distract we know our distractibility, which is which is important. Speaking, Speaking of, of distractibility. Ah, <laughs> we just no, about to ahead. do the you same segue. segue. You segue. You segue. I'll give it to you. I rescind the segue to you. Speaking of you giving it to me, how do you know when to give up the ghost on a game that's been going for however long it's been going? Because, like, here's here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I've talked about this campaign that I'm in before, the one where I'm playing, and about how it has been going now for about two and a half, approaching three years. Right. Where we've been running mostly the same characters and everything has been progressing in one forward motion. I also talked recently about how we lost one of our players. Now, normally, when a group starts to splinter for one reason or another, that's kind of a um, a forced endpoint for certain campaigns. But with the magic of the internet and being able to remote players in more easily than we ever have before, you can kind of keep something going as long as you want. So if you have the option of an indefinite campaign, mm. why would you ever stop? Well, I read an article uh, recently about somebody who's been running the same D&D game in the same D&D universe for about 35 years or so now. Um, and now it's become kind of a kind of a thing, a spectacle where people will play in this world and this ongoing chronicle. And to be honest, I, I can see a lot of merit in that and it's certainly enviable but in cases like that it's sort of like um i don't imagine it was all one campaign or one story i imagine it was the 
the ongoing unfolding chronicle of many, many stories that, that come together to create this empire, to create this world. Yeah. And um, what's important to understand uh, about long-term and ongoing campaigns is that you may never come to a point where you think there is you know, an ending. You can like, oh, there's always another adventure I could send you on. Oh, there's always another thing that I could do. Oh, there's always another NPC or an enemy that we can come back to. But consider any television series that has gone on too long. I could name a bunch. I'm sure you've I got mean, a bunch just offhand. Yeah. One comes to mind pretty immediately that I'm sure most of our audience is at least passingly familiar with. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> oh, who? I still, I still, I, I still think that it ended at season five, and that would have been fine. Where do you go from the apocalypse? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but I mean, that's just a World of Darkness campaign that went on for way too long. Exactly. The idea is is that eventually you can degrade the value of the story that you're telling by trying to stretch it on ad infinitum. To some degree need to know when to sign off, when when to end the narrative. And that doesn't mean you have to be done with the world. That doesn't even mean you have to be done with those with with some of those characters. You just need to be done with that plot arc. Give give the players time. Like, all right, and now we have definitively reached the end of this particular adventure. There are many adventures that could come about, uh, but let's take a break. Let's take a beat. Uh, what went well in this game? Uh, what didn't go well, and do we want to continue to play in this world? I need a little bit of time, or maybe you have a plot thought up for how you are going to continue. But it's important, I think, in some and, and I struggle with this in the long-term games, in in the in the long cons, so to say, that you have a vague idea of where you want the story to end, but there's no impetus to get there you just assume that you will get there as soon as everybody has um you, you assume you'll get there when the characters have developed they're ready to get there but the problem with that is they might never develop the way that you want characters and players are entirely unpredictable they'll do things that you could never expect uh that you would never anticipate that would change the very nature of what your end game might be and as you draw it out longer and longer and longer some characters start to show their wear and tear now maybe that's just in maybe that's just in my games and some people have really long-term long 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 running single stories that, that get there but i find in like games like call of cthulhu and world of darkness and and fate uh Less so with D&D, because D&D has a, a setup for long-term leveling. You can just take down the experience and, and continue to push and just get more epic as things go on. But in a little bit more open-ended games, like World of Darkness, as I said, and then Call of Cthulhu, all of that kind of stuff, the longer you draw your player through the mud of, of sort of crazy town, the more you start to lose who they are and lose the thread of what was the initial themes of the story that you're trying to tell. There's a place for long stories, and there's a place for short stories and mid-stories, but it's important when you begin a game to understand what story you're telling. I think you raised, uh, raised an interesting point there talking about the differences between something like Dungeons and Dragons and World of Darkness, because, sure, you know, sure. especially when you're talking about like 
Call of Cthulhu and games like that, mm -hmm. the point of the campaign is to put the characters through the ringer. Not necessarily yeah. to put your players through the ringer, because you still want everybody to have a good time. But mm -hmm. if the characters are walking away mentally and emotionally unscathed, you're not playing to the heart of the game. That's right. You're not attacking some of the themes that are inherent in the game itself. Not to right. say that D&D can't be emotionally scathing, but it, it doesn't necessarily lend itself to being that way unless people push that direction. Exactly. Your average D&D campaign is going to run more toward the power fantasy where, you know, your pack of murder hobos are not necessarily invincible, but they are inevitably going to end up being eventually the strongest people on the planet. Right, exactly, of course. And and level creep is also an important thing to consider in any point of the game, but we're, right now we're, we're talking about the natural end point of games, where, where games naturally peter off. Uh, I, I'd like to very briefly uh, talk about some of the things that came up while we were in college in gaming, which is when a story unexpected Expectedly needs to end which happens to us more often than i would have liked yeah ryan has a giant character binder full of sheets uh very few of them actually finish their storyline oh i know how that goes yeah exactly and 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 let's let's i mean like it's been back a little ways but let's let's think about it for a second like what were the common causes of some of those things i can name a few offhandedly off if i if i miss any uh you know, correct me, but uh, we had games end because um, uh, we lost a we lost a player that was a, that was a pivotal character in the storyline. We uh, ended games because um, our characters got the or the characters got themselves in such uh, an untenable situation that nobody could think of the way forward, including me. Uh, it just got too. It just got too frustrating. Like a series of a series of decisions just just went awry. <laughs> oh God, yeah, I can think of a couple that that applies to. Yeah, uh, there there were some that that naturally that naturally that naturally petered off for whatever reason. Things got in the way, and uh, our, our schedule got a little bit stretched. When we came back, we weren't as interested, but we were very interested in a new idea. I know that I had that a lot, where I became really passionately interested in some new idea that I wanted to send out to the group and we're like, well, we'll try that one for a couple of sessions then maybe we'll go back to the other game and then we never. Yeah. yeah, I think by my memory, that's what happened more often than not is we just got distracted by the shiny new story. Yep. Yeah. And by the time we were ready to move from that to something else, it had been three, four, five months since we'd really played whatever the previous campaign was, and nobody really remembered what was going on. Yep. One hundred percent. That's 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 how it went. And and sometimes those are those are also the ways that, that games that games die. Um now they can be guarded against. Uh as a as a DM it's your it's your responsibility when you begin a story to take it to its natural conclusion so long as that is the will of the players if the players you know you're about to start a session and they're like hey let's have a talk we're not really jiving with it which is by the way a very hard conversation to have with you with your player base and gm puts a lot 
into their story or they should and so it, it kind of becomes a passion project for them a, a point of pride and so some players don't necessarily want to tell them that their their game is just not compelling or fun anymore uh and 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 it can go on like that for for a little while um but sometimes it's important to have those conversations if you're feeling the game if you're not feeling its direction if you're not excited then what's the point of even being there uh we have so many things we can sink our time into so many modes of storytelling and media and amazing uh projects that we can get involved in and i mean it's, it's easier to not role play than it is to role play let's be real right. exactly it, it it's it's true and and to especially get involved in a storyline that is um that is deeply compelling to have everybody basically paying in the same amount of emotional investment and character choices and things. It's not easy to set up. It's not easy to maintain. It's not easy to, to, to hold together, especially if you have like pretty long breaks between sessions, people just, it's hard to get back into things. It's, it's not an easy thing to do necessarily, depending on the intensity of the story that you're running. And you want to make sure that it feels like a valuable use of time with everybody. Right. And I think one of the things that you need to focus on in doing that is avoiding player burnout, mm, but yeah. also avoiding GM burnout as well. Because when it comes right down to it, as soon as anybody sitting at that table or at that desk, if you're playing remote, you know, what have you, as soon as anybody's starting to feel like, God, I really am not looking forward to playing tonight, then something has gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Like you're exactly. approaching the end right there mm. just by uttering that sentence. Now, you can step back from that brink. You can you can step away from that void. Um usually it involves sitting down with that player, discussing what it is that they're having trouble with and adjusting the story as necessary. But if it's something that's endemic with the entire group, then it might be a case of instead of revamping the story itself, setting it aside, trying something else, maybe approaching that genre or even that setting at another time when you can better gear into it or find the weaknesses in the story and shore them up. Mm -hmm. Now, there are other reasons that that games should end and um, and die, um, or at least be be set aside. And uh, the reason that I'm starting my Sin Eater game is, is one of them. So usually I run two games. I run a game on Wednesdays and I run a game on Fridays. And um, uh, both games, both Changeling on Friday and Sin Eater on Wednesday, replaced two other games that I had been running um, at different times that I had to set aside for a variety of reasons. Um, actually, for, for some reasons that are that are very similar. Uh, the Star Wars game that was going on on Friday, um, we eventually set aside because we we had kept trying to bring this this group of kind of pirates together and make them work together, but they just ended up having such disparate ideas and and interactions that in the end it became too hard to justify why they would be together in a party, um, and they they had to leave and people didn't necessarily want to make new characters and so I was like all right well we're just gonna have to set this aside and just say what happened if we're gonna move on to the to the to the next version of this game which is set in the rebellion era which we're just gonna wait on one of these games to end to try to start but 
The other game, which was one that was going really well, was uh, my Sojourn game, which is a superhero game. The problem was that the environment became very toxic. There was one player in particular um, whose character made a series of increasingly bad decisions, um, selfishly motivated, deeply, deeply narcissistic decisions that changed the fabric of the game itself from like a... Uh, kids that have superpowers in high school game to uh, now we're superheroes in the city game to uh, now we're dealing with uh, the like global powers in the government game because of his actions, constantly his actions. Sold out NPCs uh, that people really liked, always made bad choices. And as much as I was attempting to, to make it to the end of season two, I staged these out like seasons... Uh, right. I couldn't even get to the end of season two because the environment had become so toxic to that player uh, because of what that player was doing with their character that they could no longer walk back their decisions despite suddenly seeming to grow a conscience and understand, at least to some degree, the the, the damage that they'd caused. There was nothing their character or them, the player, could do to to mitigate the damage that they had caused. And it was um, it was bleeding out into the OOC um, in a way that I, I couldn't I couldn't control and even found myself being part of, being frustrated to that player for for changing so many things. And so I had to say, all right, we, we need to set this this whole game aside, despite the fact we really love it, despite the fact we worked really hard on it. We have to put it aside because it is uh, it's it's toxic. It's causing uh, it's causing a really rough response, and, and it was a hard decision, but it, I I didn't see another way to approach it. And honestly, I can understand standing by that decision because if you are in an environment like that where playing the game is no longer fun because of the people, or because of one person, or because of the way that you're treating each other, you can be incredibly good, dear, close friends with someone, but if you walk into that room and your characters hate each other, for whatever reason, mm. it gets really scary to play like that. Because I, I know several people, and most of this is because a lot of the people that I've played with historically have been in acting or writing backgrounds and thus get really into their characters like people can take it mm -hmm. too far and can take it too seriously so sometimes you've got to take that mental health break like call a spade a spade if things are getting to the point where you don't want to play because it feels bad to play with your friends that's not good for anyone involved. Yeah. I, and you know, it's when you get real deeply into character and you hate someone else or someone else's character, it, it, there's no way that it doesn't bleed in at least a little bit into, um, in, into your actual interactions. And that's not something that you want because ostensibly everybody there are, friends and you want to be around them and you want people to get along so when things start to get toxic you either have to pump the brakes and and find a way to turn it around or set it aside no matter how fun or how engaging or compelling the plot is you know, sometimes it just you know it just it, it can't be saved
right? And I think that is one, I'm going to call it an advantage uh, that people in like game store or pickup games have where if you are sitting down at the table with somebody that you don't care for or who doesn't have a play style that matches with you, those games are easy to walk away from. Like, unless you've been there for a long enough time to get very invested into the story or what have you, generally speaking, it's like, ah, I've been doing this for a few weeks and I'm not meshing with the group. That's a nice time to take your own personal end to the story and just mm-hmm. not put yourself in a situation that feels bad. It's a um, lot harder to do that at a local group that you play with regularly. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy and it was a situation that I had to deal with. So now we're we're trying something else. We still have the same player that caused all the bad decisions before, but hopefully, and this is, you know, like a big hopefully because if not, I'm going to have to have a talk with him. Uh hopefully he'll make some better decisions and and won't create this 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 toxic feedback situation to begin with. Well, it sounds like as a player they were starting to figure out what was going on and how things were just not working which is a good sign starting to figure out is a a polite way to say uh, finally started listening I mean there is that yeah it's not as though we we made it a made it a secret for them they they couldn't they had to just guess why we were angry no 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 (laughs) no no we talked to them about it Hmm. I mean that presents its own whole issue a huge other issue which could populate its entire own podcast episode now i do want to step back for a moment to narrative endings to a campaign because sometimes sometimes it does end where it's supposed to sometimes you make it to that big boss at the end and everything seems like all right this is the logical place to stop or not even a boss, just like a, an accomplishment that you were that you were making your way towards. It doesn't always have to end with like the Bowser fight over the lava, and then suddenly it's all good and roses. Like maybe you have something Wait. you wanted to. It it doesn't always have to yeah. end with fighting Bowser over a bunch of lava because that's you. how I've ended literally every campaign I've ever done. <laughs> You've been playing D and D too long. <laughs> also, too much Mario Brothers. <laughs> Why not both? Well, All of my D and D campaigns are also Mario. Hmm. Okay. Which okay tangent? What class would Mario be? Ooh. Uh, I think he's a barbarian. You think he's a barbarian? He doesn't. He gets that star, and that's his rage. Uh, okay. Well, I don't know if the star necessarily means his rage blows up down because based on based on the. On what he uses, I, I'd call him more of a, I'd call him a very jump-centric monk. Yeah, but he also picks up that big old hammer and likes to get smashy. Okay, well, I mean, like, depends on which game we're talking about here. Are we talking about, like, the whole Mario franchise? Because then we've got to... Yeah, the entire... All right, if we're, we're talking about the entire, the entire thing, I guess I could see where you're coming from on, on Barbarian. Maybe he's got like a he's got he's got some enchanted jumpy boots. Okay. Or maybe he just took a couple levels in monk. 
I guess you cross class. That's that's fine. You could definitely do that. Multi class Mario. <sighs> what the hell were we talking about? Oh yeah, narrative endings. So, have you had a narrative ending? Uh, I think the closest that I've actually had to like a satisfying and this is where the story wraps up because it makes sense was actually in uh, one of the very first campaigns that you ran for me, uh, the Old West. I, th I think when it comes down to it, that was probably the most satisfying narrative ending because we got to a point where we had pretty much stopped the old-timey apocalypse. The old-timey apocalypse. Well, you know, it's not like the real apocalypse. Because obviously the world kept going. Right, okay. So is that what you call every apocalypse that's been averted? The old-timey apocalypse? Is that how you well, do that? Yeah, absolutely. The apocalypse can only be in the future, so any apocalypse that didn't happen is by virtue of not having happened and happening in the past. Old-timey. <laughs> just makes me think that, like, just like a ragtime piano plays. Tell me about yeah. the old-timey apocalypse. Well, it was back in the days of 2012. <laughs> Everyone thought the sun was going to explode or something. No one was really sure. We were all just scared because an ancient calendar sort of stopped at a certain point. It was really remarkable that their calendar went that far in the first place. It kind of was. They were. Like, I think that's the bigger deal. They were really confident they were going to be around. I mean, I would be too. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you be? I've personally planned my own like day planner every day through the year 3041. <laughs> Don't know why I didn't go further than that. Just you, time management, I suppose. What are you doing on October 3rd in uh, on that day? Uh, okay, hold on. Uh, on that year, I mean. Um... Says here I have a dentist appointment. Whew. All right. Like, is that all? Is that all you got? Well, I mean, like, you don't have to have every day planned out. I've just, yeah, I've just, just got the plans. The last day in your planner that far in the future would have something a little more impressive on it. It's just dentist appointment. Well, I mean, that's where I'm going to die. I, I mean, if it had to be someone. The damn dentist. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I you know, narrative endings are are hard to pull off, but when you get there they do just feel so good. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like I always will hold on to positive memories of that campaign because it went out on the right note. Yes. And that's Like important. I think back to it yeah, it's incredibly important. I think back to a character that I liked actually a little bit better than i liked my character in that one but because we didn't really reach the end of that campaign and it was one of those that kind of like got a little weird and part mm. of it was it definitely got weird because of what i did with my character i'm not gonna front this was jason the gay werewolf oh my god that got real weird it got super weird and i made it weird but i, I really still did. love him and then everything just kind of went like, well, 
We're not coming back to this, are we? <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> um, for anyone out there wondering exactly how weird I made it, uh, Jason the Gay Werewolf ended up shifting into a female coyote because he wasn't really technically a werewolf. He just copied other things that he saw shift and didn't realize that was what was going on and then had puppies. Yeah. <laughs> With a normal coyote. Yeah. Yeah, just like went out in the desert and was like, fuck this noise, I'm leaving society and I'm raising my own little coyote family. I <laughs> I was going through some weird shit at the time. Yeah, it was that's, just That's so how I'm going to justify that. It was so unexpected. I just didn't know how to react. Well, part of it was I didn't know what to do with the campaign anymore as the character. Yeah, like, sometimes that's 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 where it goes. That's where it goes. I lost the plot. And that's okay. Uh, in terms of that game, Big Lake, it, it went a little bit too long, and, and we lost the plot. There were a couple of times that the plot could have reached a conclusion, and I, I continued it, which sometimes is not the best decision. Sometimes you just got to let it end. The players in that one, though, we all got very attached to our characters mm -hmm. in very, well, somewhat unsettling, looking back on it, ways. <laughs> like I think we were all just a little bit too into what we were trying to do. Yeah, just a bit. Just, just a bit. But what I have, what I've discovered is if I particularly like a world or a set of characters that does not have to stop me from ending a campaign. Because once the game is over, I can say, cool, we have finished what we set out to do. We finished the whole storyline. It was beautiful. It was awesome. Do we like these characters enough that we would like to see another adventure? If the answer is yes, then I'll cook something up. Usually the answer is yes. Because if it ended on a good note, people want to keep playing. Right. Now, the, the, the narrative game that I ended recently um, let's see, the, the last game that I ended well was was probably the first season of Sojourn, which which ended in a which ended in a real which ended in a good way. Uh, it was a good ending. Uh, but before that there was uh, Star Wars. It was A Team, and we played that game for, for well over a year. Um, that was a game where we took younglings through the Clone Wars and into being um, you know, Jedi in hiding. And there was so much involved in that. And the game ended uh, when the when the player characters decided that they were going to go back to Coruscant. So there was this, this re-education place where, where some of the Jedi were being captured and, and converted into Inquisitors. And they went to destroy it, knowing full well that they might not survive. And they didn't. None of the player characters, save for... They say for one, who wasn't one of the main cast, uh, or was one of the main cast, but he got his main character killed, so he was a side cast at that point. Uh. But uh, all of the main characters that we had followed through the entire game, they they died. They died there um, in in dramatic and heroic sacrificial fashions. And there was there were tears around the table. The game ended, and and like people were sad, but it was a good. It was a, it was a good ending. It was it was an emotionally cathartic ending, and I, I don't normally get that. I don't normally get to get to do that. But that's who you you managed to you managed to evoke you managed to evoke tears around the table, especially for some people who just don't ordinarily tear up at all. 
and you know you've you've done something you've done something good you've managed to uh, you've managed to make a good game it's a powerful feeling that exactly for every single game i have managed dramatically or all the pieces all the cogs have come into place there are five six possibly up to ten games that did not end so you might be a better dm than me and all of your games end magically and that's one you listener who I envy, but it's not easy to do, but it is so, it's so fulfilling when it does happen. But that said, it's also not necessary. Hmm, fair. At the end of the day, playing a role-playing game is not like sitting down and playing a game of Scrabble. It doesn't end when somebody wins. It ends when you want to do something else. And mm -hmm. there is nothing wrong from knowing your players and knowing yourself and knowing when to step away and say, you know what? I kind of feel like playing Cowboys next time. Let's do that. Sure. I mean, 100%. You can continue, continue a story at item. This is personal experience. I think that stories have a, a natural end point that you will that you will eventually reach, that they can't just perpetuate without needing to have different like arcs and 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 places where you would expect like chapter uh, or book one to end and book two to begin. There are end points for narratives and stories, and they can either happen naturally at the end of a campaign, or they can happen in the middle, and you can go and play something else. But as you said, Jess, and I, I fully agree with you, it, it, it's important that everybody is having fun, that that everybody feels invested. That, uh, it, and speaking of changing directions, um, if you're like me and you easily influenced by the new exciting media thing that you see oh that star wars movie is awesome i definitely want to run a star wars game and screw anything else i'm running at this moment you owe it to your players to sit down with them and say hey my interest has shifted like the mercurial tides and i i want to know how invested we are in this game for me as a dm this is just me I would say a good 80% of my ability to run a game depends on player investment. If I know they're having a good time, if they're talking to me about the game outside of the game, if they draw little comics or things about the characters or tell me cool things that I would have never known or asked about before, like their favorite their character's favorite bubblegum flavor or whatever. Like, that keeps me invested. Because if I know that it's occupying their thoughts, then I know I'm creating a compelling story. And the knowledge that I'm creating a compelling story makes me want to continue telling that story. Amen to that. <laughs> Speaking now, of telling stories, yeah, are you telling any soon? That's a... Depends. Do you, am I running any games soon? Yeah, is that what you're asking? That is, that is pretty much what I'm asking. Although I guess if you're just going out and telling stories to people, I, I suppose I'm asking that too. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I've been planning a Pugmire campaign for about five months, basically since I got my 
player's handbook for it. I've been like, hey, a couple of friends who I know are interested in this. We're going to play a game as soon as we can figure out when all of us are available. And it's just been that dance of, okay, most of the players have like full-time jobs. If so... If you have an if you have any internet hookup or link in at all, I would suggest reaching out to to uh to one of our old players, to Ryan. He really loves the game. He's played? He hasn't played, he loves the game. Ah, I see. So very much like myself. Aha, yes. I actually don't know anyone who has played. I feel like Pugmire is one of those games that got a lot of hype based purely on the concept. Which it deserves, because the concept is amazing and perfect. <laughs> dog but D&D. It's dog D&D, but I think that's the problem. When it comes down to it, most of the players who got the books for it and who backed the Kickstarter kind of just already had their own actual D&D games going. So it's like, are you, are you going to play your fancy new game? As soon as I have time and I'm done with the old game. Yeah, exactly. Because you're already, you know, if you're if you're there, you're already doing. But it's like, it's D and D, but but they're dogs. They are dogs, and they're very good dogs. All right, that's. <laughs> I I bet I bet they are. Have you considered Have you considered bringing Pugmire to your group and saying, "Hey, um, let's consider let's consider playing a tiny offshoot of our characters as." Pugmire characters? I have considered it, but I really, I want to run my first Pugmire game rather than play in it. Ah, that's, I, that's... I'll happily play in it later, but I want the first one to be my Pugmire game. I'm gonna make you tell me about it. You're gonna, you're gonna run that game. You're gonna... It goes. I'm very interested to know. You know what? I, w I will say before christmas i'll have at least one session in of it and i will tell you and the world all about it good good because the entire world is free to listen to this amen to that as well so colin we've talked about knowing when to let a campaign go yes i didn't know when to let a podcast episode go Ooh, that's much harder to do there's there's sort of a natural sort of a natural lull you run out of things to talk about you assume that people would start to get bored with 40 some minutes of us talking true i think i think i think that's that's now i think we've I think reached the might be. i think we've said everything that any human being on the planet could possibly say about this topic and it's a bold thus claim. we've solved world hunger it's that's a bolder that's a bolder claim i don't I don't know where you're going with... All right. All right. Well, um, if if you listen to this podcast backwards and then translate what you hear into Latin and then translate that into Mandarin, then you will be able to solve world hunger with our magic spell that we've been intoning this entire time. That's... Sure. You know what? You put that effort into it. You deserve that. You deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, then... Uh, from everybody here at but yeah, I just mean you and me uh, I'm Colin Lamothe and I'm Jess Vetters thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next week goodbye